Blog Talk Radio. Connection one F with Reverend Harvey L. Bailey and, and myself. Reverend Arlene Cahet. Well, how are you doing, Harvey? I'm doing good, Arlene. How are you? I'm outstanding, and I'm not standing outside. It's a little too hot for that. <laughs> Feels <laughs> nice out there. <laughs> yeah. So tonight, ladies and gentlemen, uh, um, one Love, One Connection with us, we are going to talk about the use of magic, and that's magic with a K, in relationships. Now, before we get started, what I'm going to do is get us straight in, and we will be right back.
or do you know of anybody who has had that type of experience before? No, no, and no. Do you? (laughs) (laughs) Most people I know of don't even know about, um, you know, magic in a relationship. Now, I was uh, out on a date last Sunday, and it came up in the conversation with the woman that I was with. It is something she's familiar with. Um, or let me put it like this, because she's not familiar in the sense of having done it. It's something that she's interested in trying. Um, it's something that, of course, she has heard about but never actually experienced. But most okay. people, like, not even familiar with it. Most people that I know, you know. So how about okay. you, Arlene? Uh, I've, I've, uh, yes to all of the above questions. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. Um, and which is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this conversation up. Um, and because, okay, so certainly I, I had an experience with a young person who was talking to me and, and she's in a relationship that, you know, and I I will inject my personal bias here, that wasn't necessarily the best experience for her. I I saw, from what I could tell, there was um, a pattern of destruction within the relationship. And they were this con- there was constant bickering and fighting and and he the guy was constantly kicking her out of the the house and things of that nature and and she had already had a child with him and there was just it's just a whole lot of drama and and it, quite honestly uh, uh, I will say this. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever go to a person who is any type of spiritual practitioner and they give you their assessment, don't be too surprised uh, if if things, if, when things blow up, that they don't feel like listening to you because you've gone against their advice. So, I mean... And anyway, I, I guess I had I had kind of reached my point with that when she came back to me with the same drama that she had always come back to me with. And what she had been doing is, you know, she was putting, in, for the most part, she was putting love on the situation. And in certain ways, you know, her relationship did improve, but in other ways, just because of the nature of the, maybe it's just them being young, or maybe it's just that they don't have the proper examples, or maybe it's just that they're addicted to their particular pattern. Um, Some things came up within the relationship, and she came back boo-hooing to me um, about, about the situation. So, um, and, and but you know, she you know she was excited by the fact that that um, that she had made headway with the relationship with with the use of magic. And for for those of you who are probably wondering, 
when I use the term magic, what I'm um, what I am talking about is actually using um, intense focus, thought, energy um, of whatever your particular intention is to make it manifest in the world. And a lot of times in in our relationships, people are using are using magic and just not aware that there is a level of magic to to all of the our all of your relationships. It's just that you're probably not focused in on that. Um, and let's just say you know in that particular instance, I, I was not really I was not really in a sympathetic mode. You know, my my main goal or the thing that I am interested in is giving you the information as I receive it and the person does with it what they will because, you know, I I try not to get too emotionally involved in um, what you would say, whatever it is that the people do with the information because people are people and, you know, they will do things that are contrary to what is being suggested. Um, now, a number of years back, uh, there there have been other instances where there was um, somebody that I used to work with. And I was I was living back in Michigan at the time, and the, this one guy, he was he talked about how this woman used roots on him, magic, in order to get him to stay in a relationship with her. And one of the things that, I, one of the impressions that I got from him was that every time he thought about that situation, it always pissed him, <laughs> it always pissed him off, you know, um, and it always pissed him off. And he had an actual aversion to people who lived in certain regions of the country because he knew that in those particular parts of the country that the people there were into, uh, uh, into what, into some type of magic, done, um, uh, do whatever, whatever, whatever term um, that is, you know, popular in those particular areas. And he was very, very, uh, very, very angry about it. Now, here's the thing: the use of magic in relationships has uh, both their pros and their cons. And I will, let me just say, um, let me start out with the cons first uh, and then end with the good stuff. So my, my feeling about magic when only one person is really interested in the relationship being maintained is that you're interfering with a person's free will. I mean, if they are at that point where they feel that the relationship that they're having with whomever is no longer serving them or they don't want to, then then the let's just say on on more of a natural level, the just think of the universe clearing them out, preparing you for something else. But when an individual gets really stuck and 
wanting that particular person? What are you what are you really saying to the universe? And when the use of magic is involved uh, in getting that person to stay, one of the things that I've always noticed is that it doesn't last long. <laughs> there there is always a bit of a time frame on how long the that can be kept up because it's one of those things because you're kind of forcing the situation, you have to keep it up over and over again. And then the other con is that the person is not operating. They, they begin to act differently. And they are, and the reason why you were attracted to them and the reason why you wanted to be involved with them is no longer a factor because there is a part of them that is being altered because of forced will. And at some point, one of the things that I've always noticed in those, in those situations where a person is being manipulated into staying in a relationship uh, through the use of magic, what I've noticed is that they always find out and it does not last. It's very short-lived because, in a sense, what is really happening is that the universe actually, you know, puts everything back in the status quo. And then there have been situations where an individual, you know, after they've done the magic and the person is altered because the, because of the magic and they're not acting the same, you have to do some extra magic in order to break the initial spell or, you know, the initial work that you did on the individual in the first place. And sometimes that's even more challenging than actually having the magic um, to get them to stay. Now, here is here are some of the pros to it. Now, when you are a practitioner or you're using magic, be it sex magic, be it, uh, be it candle magic or any other, any other things that you can use, um, one of the things that I've noticed is that when the people both understand what's going on and there is the both of you have a definiteness of what it is that you're wanting to create, it's, it, it, it can use to strengthen the nature of your relationship. Um, it can be used to it can be used to actually create things that you're wanting in the relationship. It creates a deeper a deeper harmony between the individual. But the the one thing that I will say is that uh, everyone is in agreement with that, and it's always best to get agreement when you are doing that type of thing. So, yeah, Reverend Harvey, you got any questions for me in regards to this? Uh, no, no, I have nothing. You're doing great. <laughs> so, um, one of the – okay, so – I will give a foot in. Okay, so there is uh, there were, there's another show that I, I that I've listened to a number of times, um, 
and the lady on the show, um, I think, I'm, I'm trying to recall the name of the show, but, but that aside, what happened was um, she, her husband was being worked on by someone to break up the marriage. And, and this is another thing. Um, if a person is actually involved with someone else, I, I, I would not really advise it. I mean, again, what is it that you're saying to the universe when when you do something like that? So a number of what, what had happened was the, the person had uh, used magic in order to in order to induce this woman's husband to uh, to uh, leave her, and somehow he became aware of it. And when his wife uh, realized what was happening, they they did, I guess you could say, some energy work in order to strengthen their relationship. And also, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I guess you could say, uh, banish the other person, uh, so that you know, so that their their relationship wouldn't have any type of interference. And from what I understand, from what she had said, um, that it it actually uh, it actually enhanced the relationship in order to in order to you know. To strengthen their the, what their marriage because he he really did genuinely you know love his wife and he wasn't at all interested in leaving. So you put yourself in a situation or a place where you are if you try to manipulate um, the the other individual into being involved with you when they have someone else. It, it's not a good thing, and um, I guess you could say I I've always lived with this idea that whatever it is that you put it into the universe, that it comes back to you, and it comes back to you in some some way, shape, or form. And, you know, the energy doesn't just stay. Um, it it does not. Nothing is ever wasted. It doesn't dissipate. And it just sort of builds upon itself and has this way of coming back. Um, let's see. I'm trying to recall a few more instances. Okay. Well, Reverend Harvey, I, well, let me just ask you a question, Harvey. Um, I, I don't know. Well, what are your what are your thoughts so far from what I've I've already said? Well, it sounds, you know. Plausible. It sounds logical. That would make sense, you know. If you, especially, you know, your latter part, talking about doing the spells on people, whatever you want to call it, doing magic on people without their knowledge, trying to, you know, bind them. The universe is always demanding balance. For every negative, there's a positive, whether we see it or not. So if I take it upon myself, you know, to put root on you, Arlene. <laughs> you know, or to put some spell on you, you know, to make you desire me without you knowing it, without your will. You know, you as a person, as an individual spiritual being, it, it can only operate on so many levels. 
So it, it would cause you to naturally be somewhat at war with yourself. And, of course, that's going to create a change on you in this dimension, you know, because the conscious level won't understand. The subconscious level may feel the effects but may or may not be able to put it in the context. But the superconscious level or the spirit you sees and knows all. So it knows what's going on. And that's the part that would obviously resist it. And so, like you're saying, the person would find out. Yes, because the spirit you is constantly sending messages to you a thousand different ways all day saying, look, look, look. And sooner or later, it's going to find the right way to get your attention and make you realize, I ain't been acting like me. You know, it might be everybody in your family saying, you act different, you change. It might be your best friend saying, what is going on? I thought you wanted to get away from this person. You know, all of a sudden now you crazy about what's going on. Whatever it is, it'll bring something to the forefront, and eventually, you know, it'll snap you out of it because there is another spiritual entity trying to control it and then of course the universe always demands balance so if it does not seek to be controlled it wants its own individual rights its own individual life so yeah i'm with you you know i'm just sitting back here chilling and just taking it all in (laughs) but it definitely makes sense (laughs) okay so uh, well i tell you what um have you well, tell me what you know. We're not going to just stay on this aspect of uh, of, of magic. Tell mm-hmm. me what you know about sex magic, if anything. Okay. Well, and you know I know about sex magic. As a matter of fact, once upon a time, you borrowed a book of mine that talked about magic, and sex magic was one of the things that was in it. It was the mm-hmm. little book, Egyptian Magic. So what I know about sex magic, as I've learned it, that's just one of the sources that I have on it. Um, As I understand it, it's when two people are uniting, you know, their energies together. And this is anything because you don't even have to do it in sex. Where you go, if you go to an energy circle, you see it happening. You know, it even tells you in the Bible where two or more are gathered in my name. But sex is not really one word. It's an acronym. We just think of it as one word. It's synergistic energy exchange. Synergy means we're working together. Energy is what everything is. There's nothing that's not energy. Even the words I'm putting out right now is energy. Exchange, I don't need to insult anyone by telling you what an exchange is. (laughs) You know. So when you are in the act of sex, and it really is when you're making love. I'm not talking about, you know, fornicating. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about actually making love. That's an intense, very, very intense force. And it brings out your spiritual side. And when you combine your spiritual side with another person's spiritual side, if while in the act of doing that, the two of you are holding the same vision, you create all this energy towards manifesting that vision. And so if you can hold it all the way up to the point that, you know, hopefully you come together, that's probably not going to happen. You know, that's not the way it normally works. 
but whoever gets there first, you know, and you can continue to hold it until you're through, period. But it brings up that energy even when you get to that point, you know, and then it also helps to understand sex because to just jump into this and try this with your mate isn't necessarily, you know, all there is to it. Understanding that there's a difference between ejaculation and an orgasm. The fact that they typically happen together make people think it's the same thing, and it's not. You know, women are better than men at having an orgasm without actually ejaculating, but there is a difference between the two. And so if you can hold this even through an orgasm, because at that point you're really in rhythm with the universe, and then to ejaculation, you know, and then seal it with a prayer. That's the way I've and I've heard it several different ways, but this is the way that seems to make the most sense and the most powerful. You know, because along with this, of course, you would also unite your breath while having sex. And for a lot of people, you're trying to figure out, well, how's that done? But if you, you know, you know Tantra, then you know how to do breath control. And so when you can unite your breathing as well as your rhythmic movements, with doing this and hold the focus. Now, right now, this sounds like, what the, what kind of weird game of sex twister is this? I got to hold, I got to match her breath. You know, I got to hold the vision, and we got to move together. Man, that's a whole lot of doggone work. It is in the beginning, but once you practice, like with anything, you know, when you were six, seven, nine months, you thought it was a whole lot of work to try to walk, but you didn't quit. You kept holding on to things. You fall, you get back up, and you laugh about it. <laughs> you know, Anything that you've ever mastered, it took time. And after you took time to do it, you find out this ain't that hard. Think about the first time you got behind the wheel of a car. It felt like it was going to take off and run away from you. And no time, most people drive now without even thinking about what they're doing. So, yeah, that that's how, you know, that. There's probably four or five different ways that I've heard it. Most of them incorporate that, but that's the most detailed way that, you know, I've heard about using sex magic. Okay. All right. Thank you. You heard there, Reverend Arlene. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome to the sex day. Thank you. <laughs> Oh baby, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, the one of the one of those, right? You know that that was that went a little bit more involved than than what I had heard. Um, one of the things that I had heard was that one of the best ways to do do that is that at the point of orgasm, that you know that you and your mate think about what it is that you are wanting to create. And mm-hmm. that, that is, that's a very, I guess you can say, very basic, uh, basic form of, of sex magic. And one of the things that I, I want to bring to people's attention and and just so just so you know, if there's any, are any ladies out there and you're thinking, well, you know what, I don't have a partner, 
to uh, to do sex magic with. Um, one of the things that has been suggested um, by one of the practitioners off of Mind Right Radio, um, she says that one of the best ways to start doing um, or creating is to actually use the yoni egg, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to in order to bring forth and manifest what it is that you're wanting uh, into your experience, but here's here's an idea that I would like for people to think about because I don't think that people truly understand that when when you have a relationship with an individual, uh, be it you know um, destructive constructive, whatever the case may be, and especially when you have an intimate involvement with it. And this was, this was a concept and an idea that kind of blew my mind when I, when, I heard it for, when I heard it the first time. When you are in a relationship, especially an intimate one, and you are not necessarily in a very harmonious space, and you are just so you know the uh, sex, it, sex or the energy that's created in that area, uh, that area of the body, is called the sacral area, and it is the sacral is known for creation. One of the things that um, uh, his name is uh, E. Bernard Jordan, and one of the things that he suggested was that. When people get to you know, get together physically, uh, physically, and a child is formed from that particular relationship, you have to be mindful of the energy that created that child, and also mindful of the you know when a woman is carrying that child. What type of energy is she is she uh, in at that moment? Because all of those all of those factors kind of factor into the uh, factor into the type of child being created. Now, I guess the, this particular idea may be a sort of a far off concept, but um, one of the things that was kind of interesting um, when when I when my my husband, uh, my current husband, um, took a look at my children from my previous marriage, he when he was looking at the children, he could actually he could actually kind of sort of tell. He he actually said to me, "You were happier with you were more happier with your firstborn than with your secondborn." And I looked at him and I said, "How can you tell?" And he says. Well, the the demeanor of the children is just significantly different from you know from one to the other. Now, one of the things that my youngest son, uh, uh, you know, I will I'm about to be transparent and tell my business here a little bit. Um, when I was pregnant with my second son, um, I was in a place of really being rather angry. Um, and it was, it was a, I guess you could say, a sort of a seething of anger. 
um, I the the relationship was not was not um, I it I was not my needs weren't being met in the relationship and it and that was like way before the the information that we share with you like I'll, I'll share with you listeners um, on on a monthly basis. But before I had all of the knowledge that I have now as a relationship coach, um, I I just did not understand and know how to verbalize to my to my ex husband now now my now ex husband um, about what my what my needs were and what was required. But one of the things that I had noticed was with my youngest son. He actually, you know, um, in the form in during his formative years, um, he had difficulty processing his anger, and he was a little bit harder to control. Now, many of you probably suggest would probably say, well, you know, maybe that's just a different personality of the child, you know, that has nothing to do with anything. But, you know, we are deeply, we are, you know, in addition to being spiritual beings, we are also emotional beings. And it is always, we know that, that on a cellular level that we when we are in a stressed state or an angry state or or you know a loving state that how that effect has you know how much our emotions have an effect on us uh in our daily experience but just imagine that you know you're you if you're happen to be pregnant your child is is being developed and formulated in this particular condition, uh, in the condition of your, the emotional state of your uh, uh, your emotional state. And as that child, you know, grows and develops, if you have continuous stressors or you have continuous anger, that child is being developed in an environment where it's preparing this child for that type of environment. Now, let's just say that my younger my younger son, he, you know, he has um grown and matured significantly. Um but there, let's just say that I that my ex-husband and I had to do a number of things and jump over a number of hurdles um, and have had some <laughs> challenges with him in school to the to the point where um, he was put in like a, the equivalent of a boys town program, um, so that he he would have more of a um, con- well, I guess you could say a constructive way of dealing with his anger um, and. But it did put me on uh, put me on notice, and if you really think about the children or the personality of your children, especially during the formative years, that there may be some validity to this. So, what do you what do you think, Reverend Harvey? Again, I'm in complete agreement with it. Um, 
you know, when I was married and she was pregnant with our child, my first child, we did the what used to be called Lamaze, but by that time in the 90s, it was um, it was well child program, but we would go to these classes, birthing classes or pre-birthing classes, whatever, something like that they were called. But one of the things they talked about, and my son was born in 1995, so this knowledge it was known in 95. You know, they used to say that it is not healthy for the mother to be stressed or angry, you know, and part of my job was to make sure that she stayed calm and relaxed because what she experienced, the baby experiences, you know, and so to have a healthy child, you want to make sure that the mother is healthy and as less stress as possible. So, you know, when you talk about that, it's something that's been known probably before the 90s, but I can definitely say, you know, by 95, it was common knowledge, you know, for people in the medical field to understand that the child experienced what the mother experienced. But let me move a little past that. And one of your favorite authors, Mr. Murphy, and one of the books that I read from him some years ago, you know, he talked about, because, you know, he talks a lot about energy. Of course, you know that because, you know, he's one of your favorite authors, or he used to be. <laughs> so he, he he talks about the energy that's in a household, and he talks about the connection that both mother and father have with the child. So and and so at this point it may not be 100% exact as he was saying it because it's been some decades since I read it, but just going off of, as I remember it, I'm going to summarize it. Basically, if you have both parents in the household or even if there's only one parent in the household, you know, the child children are more sensitive at a younger age than they are as they grow older. So they can feel the energy of what's in the house. So if it's a house full of love, they feel that. Even if there's only one parent in there, they feel that. If it's a house of discord or there's a lot of anger, frustration in there, they feel that. If it's a couple, if mom and dad are still together, you know, they can feel when they're having a problem. They may not understand it, you know, and probably less and less these days, but at one time, you know, it used to be that parents didn't fight in front of the kids. That used to be a rule. But even though that shows, you know, a good that's, that's a good showing because you don't want the kids to see that, they can still feel it, you know. So when they come into that room, when they come into that environment, it's thick. But even in their own room, anywhere they are in that house, they still feel it. So, And I've talked to people who said they'd never seen their parents fight, but they always knew when they were fighting because it just felt different in the house. So these are things that we don't understand because, uh, again, we don't really understand that we're all one. And I don't want to go way out there because that's taking it somewhere that we don't need to be in this conversation. But understanding that we're all connected to one another, what you feel those closest to you are going to feel. So when you're feeling a certain kind of way and one of your best friends, your girlfriend, your boy, you know, even your spouse or your partner say, hey, what's wrong? And you say nothing, they know that you're lying to them because they can feel the energy. Kids are better than that than adults are. 
so much better than that. You know, they can pick up on the shifts. They can pick up on what's going on. So if, you know, a child grows up in a household, they don't have to see it, but imagine what happened when they do see it. Just yesterday, I went to the baseball game with my daughter's mother, and she was telling me they, my daughter was, well, let me back up to make sense, so this makes sense to people. My daughter's mother, my daughter included, they just went away on a vacation. They took a boat cruise to Alaska. On Tuesday, my daughter's mother came back, at least back here to Maryland. Um, my daughter came back from Alaska, but she was in California. She just came back from California today. She was with her grandparents. So yesterday, we went to a baseball game, and she was telling me that when they were in Canada, that was part of the cruise, when they was in Canada, my daughter had an adverse effect to a disciplining of her cousin. And so she said that she had to separate from her sister because Madison doesn't deal well with that. And so she had asked me, well, she thought that I was familiar with that. And I was like, no, because, you know, and it's not an attack on her or even her nephew, but everyone who I've taken my daughter around, my friends who have children, you know, my family members who have children, they're all well-behaved. So, one, she don't see the kids running around acting wild. And I remember when she was in daycare, she didn't like being around wild children, but I've never seen her have an effect to it because I would pick her up, we would go. But her mother tells me that she has an effect to it when kids are being disciplined. It just kind of scares her, and she, you know, shrivels from that. She doesn't want to be around it. That wasn't anything that she experienced. She was never a bad child. We've never had to discipline her, and I've never seen her act that way. But, you know, with her mother, because her mother's sister has one child and the mother is far too lenient and the father is far too harsh because the universe demands balance, <laughs> he, he goes over the line, and she don't want to go anywhere near the line. You know, the boy obviously spends more time with mama because he can get away with things. And so on this family cruise, dad is just like, no. You know, he, I don't know if he beat him. I'm pretty sure he probably didn't. You know, my daughter's mother didn't say. But whatever the case, he was definitely disciplining the little boy, and it was too much for my daughter, you know, so it's very real what you're talking about, and this stuff is stuff that stays with you, it stays a part of your energetic makeup, you know, you don't even remember it at 35, 40 years old, but you still respond to it, and we talk about the shadow and the inner child, but really all that is is just saying, you know, this is stuff that's stuck in your energetic makeup, and that's what that is. That's stuff that gets stuck in your energetic makeup, and it's going to come out. You know, it could come out and land you in jail if you've been around those kind of influences. And, of course, jail just puts you around even more of that to make you think that this is normal because, you know, there's, what, 50,000 of you guys in here? So if there's so many of us in here, then this must be the normal thing. So, yeah. I'm, again, right there with you, Arlene, because, you know, things I know just supports what you're saying. We tracking, boo. We right here. I see you. 
be like, be right here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're going to take uh, a music break, and when we get back, I am going to be uh, giving a um, a love bath, you know, to help bring more love into your experience. So here we go.
Break the cycle of mediocrity. Did you know that most people don't like waking up to an alarm clock every morning? How would you like to make a full-time income working part-time from home? The largest percent of people who make six-figure or more do it from a home-based business. You can design your own future with a company that is fun, fast, friendly, and rewarding. The Limu Company is new to the Baltimore area, looking for a few good men and women. If you are a leader and you're sick and tired of the Monday to Friday 9 to 5 grind, if you want to set your own schedule and pay, contact Gloria at 443-326-1943. That's 443-326-1943 or email gleach7 at verizon.net. That's gleach7 at verizon.net. I'll see you at the top. Welcome to the Family Healing Circle, where we inspire awareness, manifesting, motivating, and educating every day. On Sundays, it's Make Me Feel It Radio with Stacey Ferguson. This show is starting a movement as it seeks to inspire people to grow and change the world through personal and financial development. On Mondays, is Totally Whole with Pastor Cook and Dr. Maxine. This show addresses issues related to spirituality and mental health. On Tuesdays, it's Money Matters with Chastity A. Wells. This show will help you get your money right and your financial house in order. On Wednesdays, it's the RN Perspective with our own RN, Stacey Moore. Change the way you think about health by understanding the connection you have with all things and how your habits affect your health. Learn to heal holistically. On Thursdays, it's four weeks, four different shows. Five weeks, five different shows. The first Thursday of the month is Total Empowerment, where beauty and strength is enhanced inside and out with Angela Hardy. The second Thursday of the month is One Love, One Connection, One Us. Turn your relationship into a spiritual union with Reverend Arlene Kahnett and Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. The third Thursday of the month is the Sacred Masculine Show with Reverend Jamel Gilliam, a show for spiritual brothers and the women who love them. The fourth Thursday of the month is the Inner Consciousness with Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. This show explores the inner world of our mind and gives advice on spiritual growth and self-healing. The fifth Thursday of the month is Healing Paradigm with Reverend Arlene Cahat, healing the mind, body, and spirit through changing viewpoints. On Fridays, it's Let's Talk Love, Sex, and Nutrition. It's sexual health and fitness like you've never heard it before with Vondria Walters and Zakia Lana. The Family Healing Circle on Blog Talk Radio, 7 to 9 p.m. every day. And now you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Family Healing Circle Media. Family Healing Circle, healing the mind, body, and soul. Thank you, thank you, and we are back. Um, okay, so ladies and gentlemen, um, 
there was there is a love bath that I wanted to go ahead and give our listening audience and go ahead and get your pen and or pencil ready. And the uh, first I'm going to start out with the ingredients. So what the ingredients are, one-fourth cup of one-fourth cup of dead sea salt, one tablespoon of Himalayan salt, five pecan halves, ground or boiled, seven whole almonds, ground and boiled, and two cups of water for five minutes. And then you are going to have, uh, have the water added to the have the water added to the tub. Also, you want petals from a pink or a red rose, a votive candle that has been pre-washed in dead sea salt water. Now the directions for the bath. All right, so you're going to. And one of the things that you should do, you know, whenever you're taking a spiritual bath, you should always clean before you actually. Yeah, you actually should take about three baths. The first one is to just get cleaned off because you know. You just want to get into the spiritual bath and have those spiritual baths just be not influenced by the energy that you had before. But you clean yourself off first, and then you um, and then you refill the tub and you put in the water and and you light the light the pre-washed candle. You're going to add pecans and the almonds with the water they've been boiled in. Add the rose petals, the dead sea salt, and the Himalayan salt, and you're going to light the pre-washed candle. And then you're going to lower yourself into the tub and see yourself surrounded in white light. And what you're going to do is you're going to focus uh, your mind on loving and being loved. And you should soak in the bath for a minimum of 15 minutes. Then you follow that up with a quick shower. So that is the love bath, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, Harvey, you think you're going to try out the love bath? Sorry, I had to get back in. Um, I would have to have you give me all of those ingredients again. And then we'd have to go shopping because I don't even know where to get half of that from. <laughs> You're not sure of where to get what, which part from? He can't have? That, and there was a few other things that you said in there. Okay. What was it? One of the salts right. after the dead sea salt. The dead sea salt I know where to get. But then there was, what, some tamarind salt or something like that? Himalayan sea salt. I mean, Himalayan. Himalayan. Oh. So you said, well, you said sea salt. The next one was Himalayan sea salt. Okay, yes, I know what Himalayan you're from. salt. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, the idea, ladies and gentlemen, is that that puts you that ever all of those ingredients are 
are um, put you in alignment with um, the vibration of love. So you're going to be in that, you know, uh, be in what you, you're looking to draw in, you're looking to create more love for yourself. Um, this is one of the baths that I've, I've given out um, to help people assist them on that particular path. You know, just a little bit. Did you say you're giving people baths? Are you running a (laughs) bathhouse? Not that type of bath, but, Mm. you know, so I guess you could say a spiritual prescription for a love bath. Oh, okay. Yes, and I just, yeah, I just give them the prescription. I don't actually give them the bath. That's what, you know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have a lot of people reaching out to you after that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, well, we are not going to prolong this any any longer. You know, um, they're kind of quiet here in the studio, just me and Reverend Harvey. Um, However, I wanted to, I want to thank you all for listening in. And and having the opportunity to to, um, to understand that the relationships that you're in that they you know oftentimes the people don't seem to understand because of place of wanting what they want that the universe is always working for you and so when your relationships be it the love relationships or you know re- relationships with friends or or associates that that sometimes they may come to an end but what's happening is that as you grow and develop and you are walking your spiritual path uh you are growing and you are changing and everything that is taking place is for your greater good. And to be in that place of flow when that happens. So, you know, if you use, if you actually use magic, I would suggest, again, to use it to enhance uh, your relationships and have people be in agreement with it, let them know what's going on so that, so that you're not having having some type of uh, adverse reaction or adverse experience because of uh, things being forced upon um, individuals. I know that now from from the source of creation that we were created out of, if if you want to think about it, we are magic, that that is the stuff that we're made of. You know, we are made of spirit, and there's nothing more magical than that. What say you, Reverend Harvey? Do you agree? I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't I wonderfully amiable tonight? (laughs) You're so lovely and so agreeable. Yes, you have been. (laughs) So... Um, do you have any last words before we uh, check out? Or we uh, you know, get off the air? You know, um, 
you know, peace, love, and so No, I can't do that. That's Don Cornelius. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, peace and blessings, all. Have a wonderful weekend. All right. That's, that's and we will, about all I got. Yeah. That's all you got. Okay. That's and all I got. you will be hearing from Reverend Harvey in about two weeks. In about two weeks. Yes. In yes. two weeks, I'll be doing an angry rant about the state of politics in America and my perspective <laughs> on how we got here and where we can go to get away from here. And so, yeah. You know, it'll be the spiritual's guy to do an the spiritual guy's chance to do an angry rant. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thank you, Reverend Harvey, and we will see you all later. Adios. Adios. Make it all right, yeah.